Welcome to Our Lives with Shannon Fisher, where we discuss everything that brings us life. Come join the fun, we're talking about our lives. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Our Lives with Shannon Fisher. I am very excited to introduce my guest today. She is the longest-running advice columnist in history, writer of the Ask E. Jean column in Elle magazine. E. Jean Carroll has recently written a book entitled, What Do We Need Men For? A Modest Proposal. And let's dive right in. E. Jean, welcome. Well, hello, Shannon. How are you? I'm doing fine. How are you? Well, I'm fabulous. It's a red-letter day. It is a red-letter day. That is true. Day. A new book is out called All the President's Women and um, by two uh, very revered journalists. And uh, they have come forward with 43 new women have come forward with sexual assault allegations against President Trump. Wow, that is amazing. O- on record, that many women. Well, it's, Shannon... It is very difficult in this society Mm -hmm. for a woman, any woman, to come forward and speak out about being attacked by a man. She's not believed. Mm -hmm. This has been going on for 40,000 years. The man just has to say he didn't do it, and it's up to the woman to prove it. Right. And um, that... 43 women have come forward because I felt like I was alone for a while. Right. Now, you know, and I wrote my book called What Do We Need Men For? And part of that, uh, only 15 pages of it was about the attack of the president, uh, what happened to me in the Bergdorf's dressing room. Right. And I was astounded at, you know, um, how difficult it was to actually speak out what happens to a woman who speaks out. But now there are 43. Right. There's definitely strength in numbers. There's for sure strength in numbers. And you you have gotten so much media coverage. I mean, this book contains so much. And and most of the coverage that you've you've had um, has been surrounding, like you said, just those pages and talking about the attack. And the book, it, it really... It really contains so much more than that. You kind of take the reader on a ride. It's part memoir, part travel journal, and you you went on a road trip to ask everyday men and women in the heartland of America to comment on the role or the lack thereof of men in society. What kinds of receptions did you receive when you were seeking input like that out there? Oh, Shannon, first of all, the book is funny. Mm Mm-hmm. It's it's a, sort of a rollicking romp uh, across the country. I only went to towns named after women. Mm-hmm. I only wore clothes uh, designed by women. And I only listened to music sung by women. I only read books by women. I just wanted to see if I could get along uh, without men. Sure. And I had a ball. So uh, when I drive into a town named after a woman like Tallulah, uh, Louisiana, I get out of the car and uh, I would... Uh, go up to strangers and say, what do we need men for? And the astonishing thing was, people took me very seriously and Mm -hmm. wanted to help me figure out what we needed men for. I got 
serious reactions and serious answers. It is a question that uh, many people have been thinking about, particularly lately. Uh, sure, most definitely. It was uh, very, some of the answers were very funny. Um, uh, you know, a, a lot of them were uh, very moving and emotional. And um, I'm glad I asked the question. I had been, for 26 years, I've been, write, you know, reading Ask Eugene letters mm-hmm. where women have been complaining about men. And I thought, let's just get rid of them. <laughs> no, Shannon, let's just get rid of men. They're causing too many problems. Right. I well, in your book, it's filled with vignettes of unpleasant memories of things that you personally experienced at the hands of men throughout your yeah. life. And you call them the most hideous men of my life list. And then interspersed with those heavy realizations are the lighthearted commentary and the, the right. answers to the questions that you were asking. And I think that combination is one thing that really makes your voice so distinct, that, that you always maintain an edge of humor, regardless of how serious the subject matter is. How did you maintain that levity when you were writing about stories so personal? Well, Shannon, let me ask you. Do you have... My list is called the most hideous men in my life. Mm-hmm. Now, do you have a list of the hideous men in your life? Not an official, but certainly I could make one if I sat down with a pen and paper, yes. Okay. Let's say, Shannon, you and I and some of our girlfriends sit down at a table. We have our list. Now, wouldn't most of the time, wouldn't most of the time we'd be laughing when we talk about the hideous men in our lives? Yes. See, that's how women forever handle if we're not laughing we're crying so making a hideous so when i was starting to think of, first of all i was surprised mm-hmm. that i even started thinking about the hideous men i it's something i just really never think about but i started the trip on the very same day that uh, megan Tui and jody kantner hit the front page of the new york times with their harvey weinstein story and, oh wow and, so I think that day that story hit, did you were you start did you start to be reminded of the hideous oh, men in your life? Absolutely, because it is. I, I, I mean, it's ubiquitous in societies. I mean, every single female has had some kind of adverse experience, which you know, I mean, that's where Me Too stemmed after the Weinstein article, and right. and everybody just started coming forward and, and and telling their stories or not telling their stories, but if they weren't telling them, they were thinking about them. Absolutely, yes, yes. So let me ask you, shit. How many, just off the top of your head, how many men are on your hideous men list? Probably eight. Ah, see, you had a number ready. why this book is so much fun because we all have this list Mm -hmm. we all have it and to go across the country and talk to women you know why do we need men let's seriously think why have they been running things all Mm -hmm. this time um and And one thing that really stood out to me is that you would ask them to name five women that they would like to leave the country and nobody could answer that question. That's a, that's a painful, that was a painful fact of mine. I mean, yeah. Uh, Now I think if I had gone on the trip in the last four months, I think 
Well, uh, Shannon, your listeners probably don't. It, during the road trip, I was just asking, who would you like to see run for president? What woman would you like to see run the country? And you and I found out that, you know, women couldn't think of anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, because we don't see women. Now I think in the last six months with Kamala and Elizabeth and um, Amy Klobuchar uh, right. all running for president, I think we have examples. Um, Sure, examples that are in the forefront of the public consciousness that maybe weren't there a year ago, right? Absolutely. I don't know, Shannon. Maybe you should get in a car and go and see if if anything's changed. Um, maybe people wouldn't name those three. You know, well, maybe I yeah. don't know. I don't either, and and I think it would depend on. Where you went, you know, blue state, red yeah. state, and whether they were thinking it would be a political leader or a yeah. social leader, because everyone, almost everyone you asked, could come up with Oprah. They could at least come up with Oprah. They because... came up with Oprah and Ellen. Yeah. That's yeah. It. Yeah. It was, uh, you know, Jane Paul. I got a vote. Um, uh, women on TV got votes. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Nikki Haley got a vote. Yes. Uh, and. Uh, Hillary, not not one person said Hillary, and this is mm-hmm. after she had run for president. I went, and this is in Arkansas. I went through Arkansas. Arkansas has a lot of towns named after women. I spent some time in Mariana, Arkansas. Yes. Um, they didn't name Hillary. Yeah. And they knew Hillary and Bill, you know. Of course, every, everyone. If you don't know who Hillary Clinton is after the 2016 election, you live under a rock. <laughs> but they, they had lived, what, how long did they live in Arkansas? Right. When, she was, uh, when know, he was governor, I, right? <laughs> yeah. Exa- oh, my goodness. So, I know. Yeah, so it, was, uh, it was, I loved taking the road trip. Loved going to towns that everybody's ignored. I loved talking to people that the press has completely overlooked, mm-hmm. um, and um, it, I love taking my dog, and, you know, we just, it's it's a great way to, you know, I know my friends that love to go to Paris, and they go to London, and they go to Madrid, and they go to the fashion shows, but the real joy in life is to get in the car and go across America. And talk to people. Know, yeah, oh. I, I've, I've done the road trip across, too. I wasn't writing a book and doing research at the time. But it is wonderful to get to know people in different areas of the country. And it's amazing how many different lifestyles we have within this one country, you know. Hey, uh, wait a minute. So what kind of car did you drive when you went across the country? I was driving a Saturn. It was in the mid Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Those were great cars. Did you take a dog, a husband, children? What did you do? No, it was it was just me. It was I, I graduated from college and packed everything I owned in my car and drove out to Los Angeles, lived there for a little while and missed the East Coast. So I packed everything up and, and drove back. And I took, you know, over a week each direction so that I could really stop oh. and explore things. Yeah, so it was, it was, it. A, it was a good experience. Yeah, but no dog, no husband. At at the time, there it was. It was just me and the Saturn. But I, we, you and I have a love of dogs in common, and so I want to say I'm sorry for your loss of Lewis Carroll, oh, the dog that accompanied uh-huh. you on this. Oh, he was well. That's why everyone talked to me mm-hmm. because I get out of the car with Lewis Carroll, the poodle, and he had bright blue hair. I, I kept his hair bright blue, and people <laughs> just fall in love with Lewis, 
as they would go up to Lewis, I would ask them, hey, what do we need men for? And they were always, like, shocked. That's yes. a serious question. Yeah. That was one of the amazing – people are so kind in America. They yes. wanted to help me out and tell me what I was asking them. They really were that kind. You know, in New York, mm-hmm. if I'd stop somebody on the street and say, what do we need? They'd brush right past me. Right. They, they would not stop. Boy, in these little towns. Well, let's talk, let's talk about the difference between these towns and New York because you, when you were almost 40 years old, completely changed your life around and left your husband and moved to New York to start your career in writing. Right. And so right. how did you, what was that juxtaposition like of going from uh, kind of living on a ranch in a very rural area to living right. in Manhattan? Well, Shannon, it was fabulous. <laughs> I just loved it. I, you know, I came to New York with one pair of jeans, one pair of cowgirl boots, you know, a friend's jacket and two shirts. That was it. Mm-hmm. You could actually live a fabulous life in New York and run wild on the boulevards around the clock and have an enormously glamorous life mm-hmm. with only two pair of jeans because this, this is in the 80s. Right. You could live in New York. You could, you know, just, you could go out. You could stay in. You could do whatever you want. Because it was so inexpensive. And we didn't have, Shannon, we didn't have Instagram. So I didn't know. Right. We, didn't, we weren't comparing ourselves. Right. Beautifully, right. We, I, I, was, I thought I looked great. And I didn't need all the clothes. And it didn't, it, it was just. What well, and you didn't need on. them. If you were having a great time and life was going well, then you 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 didn't need the clothes. You know, no one ever really but does. Shannon, but, you can't yeah. have fun today without clothes because you feel horrible leaving the house because everybody looks so great now because of Instagram. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think uh, the self image of a lot of people sadly is based on comparing themselves to others on Instagram and that it's such a shame because the uh, you know the soul gets completely overlooked and it's all about the appearances and it's um yeah it it, it was much easier back then What's your Instagram? I want to follow you. <laughs> I am Ms Shannon Fisher, MS Shannon Fisher. Okay, MS or MIZ or what? Uh, MS, yes, MS Shannon Fisher. And that's my that's my Twitter, that's my Instagram, that's all of it. Okay. What about you? What is your what is your handle for the listeners who are listening who might want to follow you? Uh, on, on Twitter, it's E. Jean Carroll. Okay. And on Instagram, it's E. Jean Carroll One. Well, that is so easy. I got I got to check you out, Shannon. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> uh, are your parents uh, your parents named you Shannon because you're Irish from the Irish family or of Scots or what? Um, I, I, I did, supposedly I'm English and German, um, oh. but I think they just like the name, the name Shannon. <laughs> a beautiful name. I love it. Well, so what made you, when you were talking about, when you were younger, you, you, you went by Jeannie, and uh, so what made you decide to start going with your formal name of, of E. Jean Carroll? It's, it's very, it's a very distinct, wonderful name. Um, oh, thank you. Was it, a, was it a professional decision, or did, were you just trying to change, you know, make a, a mark in your life of young into adulthood? What happened? Exactly. Um, well, as you know, I 
started to try to be a writer at the age of 12 and started filling the U.S. mails with my pitches and story ideas to magazines. Mm-hmm. The first magazine, I, the first entity I pitched when I was 12 was the Sears and Roebuck catalog with a story. I worked from the age of 12 to the age of 38 pitching stories to magazines. Mm-hmm. Right. It was never accepted. I got turned down, you know, however, that's three de- three and a half decades. Mm-hmm. Said no, 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 a blizzard of no's. And then Marilyn Johnson at Esquire took one of my stories. I was mm-hmm. beside myself. So I thought Jeannie Carroll just didn't quite cut it. Right. The E from the end of Jeannie and put it in front, E. Jean Carroll. Yeah. Just I think the, it's, it's was, fantastic. It's a strong name. I mean, it just it. You, you, yeah, it's good to have a, a, a strong name in this line of work. It really is. Well, well. Speaking of having your work pulled out of the slush pile, as you as you put it in the book, we're on the Authors on the Air Radio Network right now, and so we have. I'm sure a lot of writers that are you know tuning in and listening. So, do you have any career advice for writers who are sitting out there hoping that something that they wrote will be the next to be plucked from a slush pile somewhere? Oh, Shannon, yes. Um, my advice is uh, when you can't write, write. You know, when it's not going well, write anyway. Because mm-hmm. sometimes when you're in a really bad place and you can't get anything done, you can't write, that's the time when the breakthroughs come. I'm telling sure. you, just keep writing and keep blogging it. The, I, I can't just I, – I was 12 years old, and I didn't sell anything, and I kept the mails full all that time with scripts, story ideas, entire stories, articles, everything. Everybody said no, no, no. My style was a little unusual. Mm-hmm. Just – couldn't quite get the effervescence of my sort of joyful, crazy, um, exasperated writing. And, sure, which is what um, makes me wonderful. But but at the time they weren't they weren't getting it. Yeah, they, I get that. Couldn't get it. And then what happens is if you just get one person to like your thing, you're in the door. That's mm-hmm. it. Just one. It just takes one because as soon as you have one, let's say you've sold a story on Bustle or you sold it to Daily Beast or you've sold, you know, there's so many outlets now. Oh, the media, you know, there's mm-hmm. so many outlets now um, uh, that always, always never give up. That is my advice. Always, always, always never, never give up. Well, and that's, I mean, that's thats great advice for any field, especially for writing. Now, you were Miss Cheerleader USA yeah. in 1964, and I know you, you kind of describe your work in an advice column as you're, you're still a cheerleader this many years later. Yeah. Um, so have the questions that you've received over the years changed, and has your response changed as your experience has changed? Because you've been doing it a long time. What's that mm-hmm. uh, trajectory like? The questions have remained uh, exactly the same. Yeah. The questions have not changed. The mode of the questions has changed, and the language of the questions has changed. 
the questions are based mainly on how do people find love? Mm-hmm. And then the second tier of questions is how do people get rid of love? Right. The big thing. Get rid of the job you don't like. Get rid of the boyfriend you don't like. Get rid of the house you don't like. It's getting rid of love. And then the third tier is how do you get love back? Right. Oh, dear Jean, I screwed up. I shouldn't have I shouldn't have left that job. Dear Jean, I shouldn't have done this, I shouldn't have done that. So that that the questions that stayed, women I'm not so sure about men, but women want a purpose in life. They want to have someone they're in love with. They want to be a size six. Mm-hmm. And they want to see their children successful. That's basically, uh, right. basically what women want. And, yeah. Um, men have stood in our way all these years. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's, you know, I mean, it, it, when you put it in black and white on the pages of a book, I mean, it really is kind of amazing that so many of the, the pitfalls and, and hiccups and speed bumps really are based on interpersonal uh, relationship dynamics that are unhealthy, that are largely, you know, based on sexual aggression and, and, and sexual yes. violence, you know? And yes. so in your, in, speaking of having that in, so in society, I'm going to read a quick paragraph from your book and then I'll ask you about it. You say, I've withstood encounters with Roger Ailes, Les Moonves, and President Trump. I was attacked by a military cadet, molested by a camp counselor, raped by an eight-year-old boy, chased by my boss, propositioned by a mob guy, strangled by a husband, and avoided a serial killer by the skin of my teeth. And the thing is, these events are nothing compared to the experiences of many women who have survived much, much more. Now, I know that you are really riled up about changing sexual violence and, and changing what is acceptable in society. What what path do you see? What can we do to change that as a society? Well, we can all go vote mm-hmm. in 2020 and vote these men out of office. That is what we can do. It may come down to being, you know, that's the first simple step. The second is to stand up and speak out. Mm-hmm. The only way we can change sexual violence is to bring it out of the darkness and speak up. I was born as a member of the silent generation. Mm-hmm. We were taught you keep your chin up and you smile no matter what happens. Right. If something bad happens to you, you keep that chin up and you, you go on, girl. You go, girl. Mm-hmm. Well, that didn't work. Right. We were all too silent. Now right. this generation, Shannon, is speaking up. Mm-hmm. And it is starting to change things. It is. It really is. And and I imagine that recalling these traumatic experiences as you did in the book must have taken an emotional toll on you because when you when you retell a story like that, you're essentially reliving it and re-traumatizing yourself by talking about it and, and, and sharing it. Um, have you ever regretted stirring all of it up in your psyche? Well, Shannon, it's funny that you ask. It, 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 you're, you're doing it. First of all, you're doing a great interview. Can I say oh, that? Thank you're you. a very good interviewer. Thank you. Um, I was not aware of the 
of what it, the cost was to write. I was not aware of what I was physically and mentally Because if you talk to me, I'm like, eh, I've put it in the past, it's over, it's done, I'm fine, it's cool. Right. But I was right at the end of the book. I only had, you know, 32 more pages to go. And I got so violently ill, I had to be in the hospital for two and a half weeks. Yeah. So something really... I mean, it was just a total, um, you know, uh, two-and-a-half-week hospital stay. So uh, there was a toll, but yeah. I um, am sort of a uh, light person. I don't uh, – that's apparently how I dealt with it, and now I'm fine. So it did have a toll. I was not aware of the toll. I didn't right. feel it until I until I couldn't move and they had to put me in the hospital. My neighbor had to come down and take me to the hospital. I hunched over my computer, you know. Yeah, your body was your body was reacting, even though you weren't aware. It had to oh, manifest yeah, itself aware. somehow. Yeah, that is amazing. Aware. Well, I, and you you talk after you after you tell um, uh, about the um, the rape, the attack by Donald yeah. Trump in the uh, Bergdorf Goodman dressing room. You say, and that's it. I never had sex with anybody ever again. And I read that yeah. and I just, I was mushed to a pile on the floor because, I mean, that was clearly a seminal moment in your life, a, a, a turning point. And so you might not have, you know, what, what most people would describe PTSD, but it clearly changed your life. Well, actually, Shannon, if you read the ASCII Gmail, you'll find out that a lot of women haven't had sex for the last 20 years. Right. <laughs> I'm not feeling it. It may have been a matter of just being my age, mm-hmm. as we know. Because you were in your early fifties at the time, right? Yes. So you're right. So it's not outlandish that a woman over fifty uh, has not had sex. Now, if I, I would love to meet somebody great. That would be great. I would start having sex like a banshee <laughs> if I ran into somebody great. I just haven't had the luck. Now, you have put your finger on something. Apparently, I am not seriously looking or seriously open to meeting that someone. That Mm -hmm. may have closed down. That may be the part that closed down. Right. So, yes, it did have an impact. And you left New York, you moved you moved upstate, you left Manhattan. So what was what made you decide to, to leave bustling Manhattan and, and move to the serenity of the of the woods? Well, it was uh, I'm a country girl, born and raised in the country and I yeah. just needed to have my feet. When I get up in the morning I like to have them on the ground. You know, mm-hmm. with dirt and plants and do you live in the city or outside the city? You are you a country girl or a city girl? I'm I'm I live in the city limits. I, I live in Richmond, Virginia. Um, but it's it's more kind of the the suburbs, you know, the outskirts of the of the city limits. Yeah. So when you get up and you go outside, you're on grass or on. I'm on grass. Yes, I've got yeah. I've got grass and a fenced-in yard for the dogs, and so we we go out there every morning and and commune with nature. And it really is good for yes. the soul, isn't it? Well, yes, I think yes, it's more human. I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so I just mainly to get out with the bears. I need to be with the bears and the coyotes and the raccoons. Um, yeah, I go. Yeah, yeah I, I'm in New York a lot. I just, I just needed the more. I'm more comforted in the country. Sure. Yeah, and that's. I mean, when when that's where your where your home is, where you're born and right. bred, then that it's what's right. in you. And so that's you know, it. to reconnect with that is 
I mean, I'm sure that you always, even though you were loving living in New York, felt a little bit of of that relaxation was missing because you really can't relax in Manhattan. Well, a lot of your listeners who are writers need to be in a big city. They Mm -hmm. need it. They need that adrenaline. They need that rush of seeing people every day. And it can feed their writing. Other writers think they want to be, you know, in uh, Thoreau's cabin. Mm-hmm. and uh, they're happy there. But if you take a city writer and put her in a cabin, the the silence will drive that writer nuts. She just, you know, it's just, you know, they uh, certain people just cannot take, certain writers cannot right. live in the country at all. Sure. Even though they think they could. Uh, and right. After, after, a li- after a little while, it, it's just too quiet for some people. I, yeah, most definitely. Yeah, yeah you're... When, if you if you don't see another human for days at a time, it can either be wonderful or it yeah, can be yeah. unnerving, you know. And it, like you exactly. said, it depends on your personality for sure, for it's sure. To have your uh, listeners write in and say if they're city writers or country writers. Yeah, what's your email address? Oh, tell them to ask E. Jean. Yeah. Uh, so it's E. Dot Jean. Mm-hmm at com. Sure. So writers out there, send her an email. Let her know if you're city writers or suburban writers or country writers. Or... And why. And yes. why. And what would happen if you, were, if you were a country writer and you were moved to the city? Could you write? Right. I wonder. In your book, you, you list the honorary women oh. in your life, men that you um, adore, who um, you, you respect. Uh, so tell me, tell me a little bit about your honorary women. Well, of course, the secret behind this book is I love men. I just mm-hmm. love them. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been married a couple of times, and uh, I love men. I just don't want to see them running everything. Right. After this book, where I disparage men from page one to page 330, I mean, I raked them over the cold. I thought it was only fair to remember some very special, wonderful men that I've known. And I put them in the book. So there's some, you know, some, some of my ex-boyfriends and ex-husbands there, you know, so Tom Robbins. Uh, you know, there's some really, really spectacular men there. Uh, it's, I didn't, uh, you know, I didn't want to leave the impression that I'm a man hater. Actually, I'm a man lover. Right. I'm sick of them. Well, and, and also you were telling stories of specific men that were exhibiting despicable behavior. So, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's very hard to say, um, to say something nice when you're talking about someone molesting you or choking you or raping you. I mean, you're not going to be like, but he was a real peach. Uh, you know what, Shannon, Shannon, you just reminded me of something. Have you noticed that when women come forward with their stories, that we still start the story by saying something like, he was a really likable, handsome guy. We start by praising him because right. we've been so, we're raised from babyhood to only speak well about men. It, it's funny how we all start this story the same way. Mm-hmm. He was a likable guy. He was a good-looking guy. Nobody ever suspect, you know. So that's, we got to change that. I mean, even Ted Bundy, people just described him before yes. describing his crimes, talk about how charismatic and attractive he was. 
being that you are an advice columnist and being that you have had such personal experience with domestic violence and sexual assault, I wonder what advice you have for women out there who are listening who are feeling trapped or who are suffering emotionally uh, with having experienced these things. What advice would you give them moving forward? Oh, Shannon, that is very, very difficult to answer because each woman is in a different situation. Now, I could tell a woman who has a very good job and who has an income to speak up or go to the police. Mm-hmm. Um, and she she would prevail. However, I cannot tell a woman um, who lives in a small town who is holding down two jobs to support her children to speak up about her bad boss. Right. Because she will lose her job immediately. Mm-hmm. And then she will have no money. And then she will lose her children. And it will be a catastrophe. So right. each woman is in a different situation. I would say talk to your closest friends about it and hear what they uh, advise you. Yeah. Um, I would be even cherry about reporting it to the police. Uh, in New York City and across the country, the, the percentage of men who are convicted of rape, who are brought to trial and who are convicted is point zero five. Wow. This is women are not believed. Yeah. It's and true. We know that rape goes on around the clock. Right. And so when you go to the the police don't believe you. In New York we have a strange rule. If the woman had, had a drink at some point during the night voluntarily, they won't take the case. What? They won't they won't prosecute it. Oh my gosh! You know all this. This is old time belief. Yeah, old time belief. That's. Um, I mean, and this is this is why Me Too uh, has taken off so much, and this is yes. why books like yours are so important. And by the way, you can tell women to go to Rain, uh, the website, and yes. that is they have hotlines. They will give you all the um, online tools. And many women who are assaulted are continually assaulted. So this is that's the place to go for all information on sexual assault. Absolutely, right. and that's the Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network, right. R-A-I-N-N. So you can go to that website. They've got a phone number you can call. There's, they can right. text message with you. They can right. do – there are lots and lots yeah. of resources. Uh, people need to know about this. Yeah. People need to know that it's happening, and the only way to stop it is to raise awareness. So good yes. for you for going through what I'm sure was a lot of emotional turmoil to, to get that out there into the world. You know, it, it's going to inspire a lot of other people to go out and be brave themselves. Thank you, Shannon. Yeah. You do. As I said, you're excellent at interviewing. Oh, well, thank you so much. And you're excellent at being the interviewee. I've, I've loved talking to you. Eugene, thank you so much thank for you, coming on the show. This has been such a delight. Uh, hello to all and goodbye to all your listeners, our fellow <laughs> writers. Yes, hello uh, hello to all of you out there who are listening, and I, I hope that you enjoyed I know that you did enjoy listening to this conversation, and I will see all of you next time. And you can meet E. Jean in person next month at the Miami Book Fair. 
She will be there signing her books on November 24th at 11 a.m. And you can get all the information on that event at MiamiBookFair.com. 